What is Evolving Minds, and why are we launching this organization? I spent some time actually being challenged to answer this question twice this week. Why? You know, give me your elevator pitch kind of scenario. And this is always a typically, I would say, a frightening question. It challenges us to really throw ourselves out there and to then wait to be judged or received. And so to explore the why with you in this moment, I'm going to talk a little bit about this past weekend. And I was at the Montgomery County Parent-Teacher Conference Association. They had this conference for mental health, which is a beautiful thing in itself. A number of humans coming together to talk about mental, physical well-being and not the opposite of feeling well, the human suffering of suicidality, self-harm, trauma, substance use. And at this event, I was asked to lead two different mindfulness sessions. And this event was hosted at a school. And the first thing that happens when you walk into this environment, into the school, is there is an opioid prevention truck with a number of police officers standing around that almost look like SWAT guards. So I'm here to go to a mental health awareness kind of convention, and all of a sudden my first impression of this is police, and maybe something's wrong. And the actual prevention, I don't know the actual statistics or the research or the grants that are going into this vehicle, but it was one of those vehicles that you get in to kind of look around and search for opioids or illicit substances in the household. But I'm curious as to the effectiveness of that approach. It's kind of like, oh, gotcha. Gotcha again. Gotcha a third time. So I'm curious. I'm not, I really don't have an answer in this moment, but that was my first impression of walking into the building. And so as I walk in and I kind of make my way through the hallways. Actually, a, a, a ninth grader showed me around. And the first thing that happens, and this is an elementary school, the first thing that happens as we walk into a classroom is there's a sign on the door. And the sign says, in the case of a lockdown, you'll place this over the window of the room. And so you can imagine me walking into this space and kind of being shocked because the desks are so small and the chairs are really tiny. And yet when we walk into this space, the first thing that you see, the first impression is mass shooting. The mind wanders into thoughts of, and my mind, my mind wandered there. You know, is someone here going to kill us, shoot us? And I know I'm bringing in a kind of intense topic in this moment. So I, I'd like to invite you to check in with the body and the mind. And if you'd like to find a sense of anchoring or grounding in your breath or feeling your feet on the ground or listening to the sounds of my voice. And taking a moment to pause. So this was my first impression walking into this space. And it's also the first impression that every young little first, second, or third grader has when they walk into their elementary school rooms. And so I asked the, 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 the recent ninth grade, ninth grader, what do you think about this? And it, it, what surprised me in this moment is how normal it was. Oh, yeah, you know, there's one to two active shooter lockdowns, uh, drills per, per kind of school semester. And I'm removed from that period of education by maybe about 15 years, maybe more. 
And that wasn't a part of my upbringing. So we live in this climate of fear. And so here's the why. So imagine a first grader walks into that room, sees that, and then their mind wanders into maybe there was an active shooting somewhere else in the world, but there's, they, there's access to it. They just one flip, one scroll, one click. They see it. They might even see the actual footage of the shooting, of people running, of the trauma. And they sit down in that t- teeny tiny little seat and they're expected to follow along and pay attention to whatever the teacher is trying to educate them about. So here's where Evolving Minds comes in. So last week we launched a 10-week Mindful Living for Professionals program in the Baltimore City public school system. We've got 15 educators who are joining us in this journey. And the program itself explores teacher well-being, student transformation and well-being, or centering and grounding, faculty transformation, and the entire culture. And the way that it does this is that the educators in the program, they go through a 10-week mindfulness training really to explore the transformation of their own challenges and conflicts and human suffering, as well as amplifying skills for how to thrive, how to be well, how to feel joy, how to smile. So they're learning this 10-week curriculum and also they're, they're taking away a 10 package of resilient skills. So each week they're learning one resilient skill that they're then implementing in their, into their classroom. So you can imagine the power and the effect that this can have. So that small little child, the first impression of the room is lockdown, is negativity. They walk into that space. The teacher, educator, gathers them together into a circle or around their desks and delivers this resilient skill of what went well. And it could be what went well today, this week, and they pass around a ball. And all of a sudden, one child to the next starts to imagine all of the possibilities of what is going right in this moment. Shifting away from this negative and the mind possibly wandering into those areas that it's very hard to escape and collectively coming together and saying, yes, this is what it means to be a human being. That is the why of Evolving Minds that I'd like to share with you this week. And I can even feel kind of a sensation of this vision and of the impact within my body as I'm speaking. And I hope that it can be received as well. And so I'll practice this skill right now. And I encourage you, if you're listening, to practice it as well. What went well today? For me, I woke up, got out of bed, made a bagel with cream cheese and I put locks on it, but then the locks really tasted weird. So I kind of threw it away, which now in this moment, I'm kind of feeling guilty about, but what went well? I connected with some of my, some fellow humans that are in this two year teacher mindfulness meditation program with me. We have mentor calls about two to three times a month and it was beautiful. We talked about coffee and kind of this, um, a dilemma of, you know, it's really a drug and we told stories and it was really kind of an experience of just kind of smiling and laughing and sharing around our different experiences with caffeine because I'm, I'm investigating 
into the nature of caffeine in my life and if it's effective or if I'm really attached to it, which I know I am because I have about three to four cups of tea a day. But see, there my mind wanders again. What went well? Well, I submitted a proposal and an application that it was really stressing me out, so that's something that went well. What went well? This is a positive psychology skill that's been researched, and, and one way that you can practice it is actually, let's say, at the end of every night, you have a journal or a dog or a pet that you love. You can even talk to them if you'd like. What went well? And they'll just kind of look back at you like, <laughs> you know, eyes just looking you in the face, kind of smiling. What went well? And try it out. You can either talk about it with people. You can send an email with a colleague. You can write it down. And then if you're writing it down, the next step is why. Why did whatever it is go well? And take 10 to 15 minutes and explore how this shifts your consciousness what it focuses you on focuses you on in your environment now it doesn't ignore the suffering it holds it it balances it out this is an accessible skill that anyone can practice and i invite you to it's found in mindful living for professionals and some of our other programs and activities take care bye bye